Namaste, motherfuckers, and welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 90. My man, Daniel Klein, part two. Um, I'm Curtis Payne, your host, and this is our freewheeling, freestyling, conversational, improvisational jam session here that we like to call Tantric Conversation. And if you're not careful, you just might learn something used to say um yeah so i was just a it's been a little while since we recorded this so i was going back and listening to it and uh wow i mean we're talking about protest we're talking about politics we're talking about change we're talking about um what can we do to affect to alter the course of human events in this country and like what do you do when your people aren't in power what do you do when you got a should but that's all you got you gotta how do you sell it because we can't just i mean we basically seem to be split evenly down the country almost between like it's like 49 percent and 51 percent is always the margin whoever's on top it's only by two percent so we've got a pretty solid ideological difference here. And that difference is a lot more than just like some people are evil and some people are good or some people have heart and some people don't. They've been, folks have been indoctrinated. Folks believe certain things and some folks don't believe certain things. And if we're talking about belief, then no amount of rational argument is going to budge a person's belief. Belief is a thing that is more often altered by experience, transformative Gnostic experiences, things that get in your bones when you see things differently because you've had a, uh, you've done a 180 on your inside. And as passionate as those of us who align with the left are, we cannot persuade with uh, fuck yous and you're a piece of shits and you guys just don't care and all that kind of stuff because those folks the folks that are backing donald trump that are backing mitch mcconnell that that are backing the senators that backed kavanaugh and got his ass on the supreme court they don't think they're evil they think they're good and they think they are doing the right thing and they believe what they they believe in what they're doing too and all this fuck you shit ain't getting anybody anywhere and um and you can't just fight it out like there's just it's just the power is too evenly we're looking at fucking rocky and uh apollo creed man we're just looking at a draw you know if if anything there's just not enough strength if you just wanted to say let's dispense with the democracy and let's go to war there ain't enough people to like you know, to affect the outcome you want. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the people on our side are kind of panty wastes. Not very good at fighting. <laughs> so I don't think a violent thing is going gonna, is gonna to work. But it's not what we want either. We want our system to function. And as upsetting as what is going on now, especially with this Kavanaugh stuff, I mean, there's almost two, there are two separate issues. I mean, on the one hand, the man has got done some questionable shit and there's a woman I believe who is saying that he did that questionable shit to her I believe her but I didn't even need like I didn't even need to have that when I saw the man in front of 
country acting like an entitled punk-ass bitch motherfucker. And I went, that is not a person to set an example, to decide the constitutional law at, at that level. That's clearly not the person. But the way things are set up now, as we talk about a little bit in here, is that, man, if you're in the private sector and you're like that, you're going to cost somebody some money and they're going to get rid of your ass fast. If you're in the political sector like that, you're going to make somebody money and they are going to protect you regardless. So, the you know, Kavanaugh is still is as messy and retarded as he acted. Pardon me if, uh, for the use of that word. I mean it only in the uh, broad sense um, of the word. But anyway, look how I watch what I say. Um, as, 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 as insane and immature and churlish as that guy acted, he is just a fucking chess piece in a larger plan here. Uh, you know, a real conservative takeover. I mean, there's... I don't think it's enough to say a right-wing takeover. I don't even know what that means. I see just basically business interests that are already powerful taking back more of the power, less restrictions on them making money, how they make money, polluting the environment, not paying people a decent wage, making shitty stuff, making it in a shitty way, you know, providing shitty service, and nobody being able to stop them. And, you know, that's the major takeover that's going on. But, of course, they also have to throw a bone to the ideologically um, regressive folks that they've been pandering to for a long time and, and got them to vote. So, you know, those people, I guess, care about abortion and um, that maybe they're going to do something there just to make them happy. It's all very bizarre, but, you know, this conversation that Daniel and I had, you know, coming, you know, 20 some years apart in age, um, I'm ha I have to say that I'm a hell of a lot more galvanized than I was when he and I were talking because the behavior of Kavanaugh, the behavior of Lindsey Graham, these people, I, I feel that they, they really seem to be on this let them eat cake as, you know, footing here. Like they don't seem to see that their job is to represent all of the American people and that they are inhabiting roles that are not them personally they are a job it they, they are symbols they are symbolic and they and they they seem to have forgotten that and they think they're they're powerful they think they're rulers and they think they're entitled to this power and there's it's really got me like twisted up looking at this because i mean i've at least thought okay these guys are being sort of stoically legal about what they're doing and maybe I don't like the way that they're interpreting the law or where they're taking the law but I didn't really think that they were necessarily veering so far from business as usual as politicians but I do think something we are we are beyond the pale now there's a general disdain for a huge part of the body body politic um, that I've never seen more evident than what I saw in those Kavanaugh hearings so what to do? Well, I like I say in this podcast, I think you gotta we gotta go after the money because that's what makes people take decisive action. And yes, as Daniel, idealicity is yes should matter. Humanity should matter. The li liberal humanism should matter. But you know what? It doesn't to some of these people. What does matter is money. What matters is their power. What matters is the power that flows from that money. What matters is the influence that flows from that money. 
And those guys are propped up by a lot of businesses. So if we vote with our pocketbooks, if we boycott and we may make a systematic um, attack on the pocketbooks behind these politicians, I think we'll get a lot of shit done faster. And nobody has to get hurt physically. No blood has to flow in the street. But we've seen how fast people respond to attacking their business. I mean, Jeff Bezos is now paying people 15 bucks an hour. Yeah, it's a drop in the bucket. But that's the response to the amount of shit people are talking about how rich he is, and yet he's paying people like slave labor money. And he reacted to that. And you know that's why I'm in marketing now is because I believe that the ethos that I came up with in my 20s I could actually put into practical use through the encouraging business people to see that how they behave is actually the best marketing, best advertising, how they treat their employees, how they act, how they do business is the best um, communication that they could put out there. Walk it like you talk it. Actions speak louder than words and so on. So I think I think this is you know where the, the revolution has to happen. It has to happen in the marketplace. And since we're a capitalist country, I think that's the most effective way to approach it. So that's what I think. And let's get into some more of what Daniel and I think. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us here on Tantric Conversations. For a long time, you can have a monarchy. You get a revolution. A lot of people get their heads cut off. You get 15 years of yeah. terror. And then what happens? Napoleon. Napoleon. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, let's think about it. 1789 was the French Did revolution. Did you see my post about that on Facebook? No, no. Did you go to the... Yeah. How was it? Well, it made me question this. Wait a minute. Liberty, egality, fraternity, and then we have an emperor? Yeah. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> the but fuck? also, like, it was also a really good marketing campaign. I mean, like, they hired a lot of the court painters. I mean, David and Eng were both painting the monarchy. Mm-hmm. They're painting Louis XIV. And they were tapped to paint the new martyrs, the new royalty. Mm-hmm. They were tasked with basically creating a new visual culture, a new visual vocabulary. Propaganda. Too. It was propaganda. Mm-hmm. It, but yeah, there's this whole gigantic gold dinner service thing in nice. a glass case there. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know Napoleon hated doing these state dinners, but he did them because the people wanted the pomp and circumstance of the monarchy yeah. back. So it's like yeah. those people got frustrated with how things were going, and they gave and they it. took the entire monarchy and the entire aristocracy, everybody that had more than them, and and like my understanding is they were after a while it was very indiscriminate. They were just killing anybody that had it a little better yeah. than a peasant. It was fifteen years. Can you imagine fifteen years? Reign of terror is what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. The cutting off heads in the fucking town square, Robespierre, and. But let's think about it, really. Is it possible that the Bourbons just were not being very successful in doing what the French had always done, you know, imperialistically? And so that's why they weren't eating. It's not like, you know, the the rich were keeping all the shit for themselves and letting people starve. It's just they weren't doing a good job of bringing the resources in, yeah, like conquering probably. land and all of that kind of shit. Yeah, I don't know. Um I wasn't yeah, I don't know. It could even have been. Because in order to get to that level you had to be starving. Like it wasn't Right. You know, well here's the problem. People don't hit the streets now because we have credit cards. They're not starving. Because they have credit cards. Yeah. Like everyone has credit debt and it has placated the masses because when you're broke, when, you hit, when the recession hits. The whole hit, country does that. We're borrowing didn't. money. Yeah, but we didn't used to. People well, who, they voted FDR in because they wanted change. They wanted change because they, they were starving to death. Well, because they totally 
fuck mismanaged. Yeah. You know, like that was but the if Great they had Depression. Credit cards, g- they had credit cards. Dust they could just, yeah. But if they could just put it on credit, they wouldn't have risen. They wouldn't have wanted to. No, because back then people actually had to grow the food they ate. And the reason they were starving is because they had combined with not an environmental used disaster. crop rotation. <laughs> and they had farmed off the f- several layers of topsoil but in the Midwest. But also cash and, had seized up and inflation had skyrocketed. And, and so the like, Industrial Revolution had brought everybody to the fucking city and the city couldn't sustain everybody. And then there was all this crazy bingo. speculation. But if they had credit cards, they wouldn't have voted in FDR. You can just you just defer this angst. Okay. I'm not like disagreeing with but this. But I mean, I otherwise people like, get they hit the streets. No but then you, you get to a certain point. You know, no one's in the We just print money now. Money is nothing. It doesn't really exist. It exists. It's fungible. It's it's, mon- it's a mindset, right? So we. But if you don't have any, you're fucked. So it does exist. We will. They nobody's starving in in large numbers in this country. Right. Because the credit. majority of the suffering. When we talk about the one percent having most of the wealth, most of that wealth is superfluous. Right. You know, like. I'm eating. I have a home. I am oh, yeah. able to have a f- rich and fulfilling sure. life that no amount of money can buy. You've seen the study. Have you seen the study? It's like sixty thousand dollars a year is like we're having That's it. Caps it yeah. uh-huh. I mean, and that number will change because I'd say for me it. it was forty grand, and yeah. once I got above that, nothing was any different. Forty in Richmond, sixty in DC, whatever. Yeah. I mean, the idea is that like if it covers your basic living and and provides you some like a safety zone and some savings, like that's it. After that, they've done this study and found that people are no happier after about $60,000. I mean, that was probably right. 10 years ago, so it might be Yeah, they may have a lot of wealth, but I don't really see that, like, wealth is not, like, w- w- those people are not stopping you from eating right now. They're not stopping you from having clothes and shelter right, and, and food. That's why and most are... of the people that don't have those things have made some choices. But can't <laughs> we get society to a place where we don't need that? To still strive to make it better, like people I want to. People are not in the streets. I want to be in Star Trek. I can't even get my friend. I got. I have friends who care, and I'm. They're always busy. They're they're working so they're they're always working to make ends meet. They can't protest. I'm like maybe that's how they want it. But maybe protest is. I mean, I'm in favor of it, and is a, a wonderful tradition of it and everything. But it falls for me in line with. It's a negative. Really. Meaning, like, not in this term of, like, bad, but in the term of, like, magnetic um, positive and negative power. You think so? Yeah, it's just a tension between this and this. Yeah, it can be inspiring. It can be galvanizing. I think that being inspiring is inspiring. So telling a story, a different kind of story, and having a vision for where this should go and then trying to lead people there is so much better use of energy than going and saying, what you're doing sucks. You know, I don't like what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. Well, a protest, maybe a demonstration. I mean, we need maybe we needed to change the definition. I mean, like, yes, I support addressing climate change. If somebody said we're having a march to support this, we're not condemning people who aren't doing enough. We're saying we would support whoever would do. We'd like more. to raise awareness of the things that have wrote. Is it, this is kind of interesting because this is a negative, but like one of the reasons I got interested in where I am in marketing now is because I was one of the slaves mm. for this company at mm. one point. And, and like it's in a very old school way. It exploits people. I mean, it doesn't really exploit people. It just says, this is the deal. We've got a $9 an hour job for you. We could pretty much get anybody to do this job. Right. So it's only worth $9 to us an hour. If you want this job, then this is what it pays. You can come and do it for $9 an hour. 
And then you get in there and you realize just what that really means to you when you do it. Like I was one of those people. And then I started to say, why can't these people make us not expendable? So because we're not going to put much into this if we don't care because they don't care about us. We're in this complete like open relationship, like almost like um, there's no commitment on on either side. I mean, a good business. You know what a good business should do? an a b test pay half their pay a different plant a different location pay everybody twice as much and see yeah, what the I've difference been, is i've now. been trying to see what suggest they things like this but the the point of it is that like once branding has made it clear that like a business can't just say one thing and do another anymore right because they're they're going to get found out yeah. so there's been some a huge explosion of things that people companies realize is going to be bad for business matt lauer kevin spacey um sure. all of these they, they they do something that the country we have demonstrated online that we do not want to buy your product if you employ people that behave like this right so that has been to me the most effective demonstration to vote with your pocketbook is to basically boycott something oh i you yeah, know i mean i think yeah and like the fear of that is they have taken much faster, more like decisive action over people like Matt Lauer than anything before. So if it's true what we have come to believe about our government, that real le- legislation is basically funded by very large business interests, then that's how you vote. Get go after their business. Yeah, I mean, I've always say, maintained that you, you, know. you so get people to stop buying their shit. Because the the protesting on the mall in D.C., while that's a time-honored tradition, this would be more like a tea party. You but know? here's a question. Throw the shit in the channel. Yeah. Like, stop buying. What does the guy who puts a lot of money in Mitch McConnell's pocket, what does he make and what does he sell? You know? Yeah. Make it known that this business supports these policies through this politician. And watch those motherfuckers jump. Yeah, but at the same time, do we want to live in a society where the money is how you... Don't you just want your money is just an expression of value. Yeah. But shouldn't your humanity be the value? Shouldn't it be that like I am a one human, uh, a one citizen of America, like my vote is worth just as much as your vote. A company doesn't have a vote. Like, why do I have to do with my money? Because they have more money there. Whoever has more money has a higher, uh, more votes now. Well, you can galvanize basically. So money means you have more influence for one person, sort of like a, a, a collective, like a corporation. They're usually not really one person. It's right. like a board. And, you know, there's a lot of people involved there, right. right? So the labor movement was like we get a whole lot of the workers together, and then we're just as powerful, yeah, as it's them. Devastating. So you organize, yeah. and you have a positive platform. You organize, and then you exert influence with this consensus. And it is. I think it's very difficult to get people on the consensus thing because right now there's so much anger and not everybody shares the same level of anger or or passion about this stuff. So then the methods, I mean, I was reading this thing about Reed College where these students are like, unless you're with us doing this protesting humanities 101 the way we are, then you're against us. Hmm. And you can't build, it's just not going to work. It's not whether or not it's right or wrong. In order to get to... To, these guys have a lot of power, but so does the the masses. But, yeah, but the masses only have power when they form like Voltron. Yeah. And like, you know. <laughs> but what happens when like the the wealthy or whatever, the corporations have consolidated so much of the resources 
that even if all the people come what together, have they consolidated it's uh, well here's an example walmart has done a great job of like destroying small businesses across the country because they're just cheaper and mm-hmm. now walmart's getting kicked in the ass by amazon so to play semantics here like just this is just like the big farm thing this is a solution to a problem and it's a chicken and the egg problem because if American workers were put to work making American goods, they would have money to buy more expensive goods. But because they were already not being employed, they needed cheaper shit because the shit's being made in China. Right. So Walmart supplied the cheapest shit, <laughs> you know, and the stuff that's being made with care and quality with much greater investment of time and resources like you, you know, I could go buy something that you're making right now, but you're making it as an artisan. And I, right. you know, that's more expensive because it's taking more of your resources to make it. Right. And so they, you presented with a choice. No, you you're know? right. So Amazon. And Amazon's not just one thing. They're just a conduit. Right. I mean, what Amazon is, is, a, is probably the best we've come as a society to efficiently delivering goods for like for the lowest cost, right? Like it is mm-hmm. the cheapest way to get, product to a human mm-hmm. but the problem is all the collateral damage that this one guy is making a ton of money his employees are miserable they don't make enough walmart is a great example of a corporation where when people talk about court like welfare fraud i'm like walmart they refuse to pay their employees they, they pay them what they legally have to right they basically have the same attitude as my company did right is that this is what this job is worth to us Right. <laughs> if so you what, want but, this job, but so who pays? Right. I pay for Walmart employees. I pay right. for the, I, my taxes go to SNAP benefits mm-hmm. and housing assistance and transfer whatever. You know, I my taxes go to all these welfare services that are going to people who are poor because they don't earn enough because Walmart refuses to pay them a living wage. Or like it really well, they don't at, refuse. They just basically are operating on a typical uh, you know cost benefit analysis. They just going on a spreadsheet. They're and, like, we want yeah. to keep labor low. We want to keep costs low yeah, so this, that we can yeah. make profit. So my my argument yeah. is that the government exists to protect humans from things we individually can't protect ourselves against. Natural disasters, um, other countries, corporations. Well, the thing, so they, the, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm yeah. just basically you and I are almost like a yin and yang of liberal passion right. about this stuff. And and as I've been out in the world, having experiences of being brought low, and through my own, you know, mm-hmm. design. But I had to start over again at the age of uh, 38, mm-hmm. and I had to get one of those jobs. And I had to work my way up to where I am. And I saw a lot of different choices being made all around me yeah. not to just do what's in front of you. Yeah. And and it had me start asking the question, like, let's talk about you, for instance, your gardening business. Mm-hmm. So you have decided, like, let's say you bought that house and that's your land over there. Mm-hmm. So you've decided that, like, are you going to take the resources you have and you're going to make them into a business? And the passion behind the business is really, it's, it's part of permaculture. It's about change, all of those things. Right. But you hire on some guys or some gals, and to them, it's, it's just a job. But well, it's not just a and job if you pay them enough. It, I don't know if that's necessarily true. You know, people can, like, like you said, how happiness doesn't um, change, you know, over 60,000. Right. Engagement does not come from salary. No, In fact, people can I... get spoiled as fuck, and like you so? la- UPS guys can be some of the laziest motherfuckers I've ever met in my life. Like, 
like I had to deal with them a lot shipping records out of a record label in New York. And yeah. they're like, hey, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> the guys are very, they were kind of spoiled, yeah. you know. I'm not, I'm just, again, yeah. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm not going. just trying to think of it. So you do this and you bring these people on. And yes, maybe they do give some lip service to being very interested in permaculture and like transforming you know, urban landscapes, uh, food, not lawns is something I've heard. I think is really awesome. And I agree with it a hundred percent, but you know, you're the guy you're in charge. It's your thing. And the natural thing humans seem to do when they get in a situation that you're still their boss. Right. Right. And they're not maybe being, you're hiring them to build this many fucking boxes, Mm -hmm. you know, for raised beds in a day. And they're on their fucking phone and they want to talk about like how much they drank last night. I think and so you start saying, "Hey man, I'm paying you to do this thing. This is and then they're like, "Fuck you, fascist pig." Like, right. you know? Well, I mean, there's with there's a, a lot of businesses are started just with a person saying, "I want to this to be my living." Right. Like, I don't want to be a, somebody else be my boss. I want to start my own business. And and you could say, well, they just got lucky because they were here first and they got the land and they got the... Yeah, well, you also just moved here. You moved into their neighborhood or you moved into their city. Right. You came here to get a job. The job's gone. You stayed here. Now you want the federal government to pay for you to stay in Detroit mm-hmm. or Flint. You know, we talk about what an awful thing that is that Flint, Michigan has done to its people. They were trying to manage what they had. And they didn't have much money coming in because nobody's making any money because the industry left a long time ago. But everybody's still staying there because this is their home. Yeah, it's also so, hard to move. If you it is no hard. Money. Yeah, you no, know, but I, people yeah. moved there to get jobs in the auto plants from somewhere else. Yeah. Have and, you read Hillbilly Elegy yet? No. Oh, uh, you'd like you'd like that. But too. all those people did was try to find a cheaper source of water. You know, and they fucked up and they started bringing in water that needed to be, it turned out it wasn't going to be cheaper. It was going to be a hell of a lot more expensive. And then right. they fucking lied right. about like no, what they No, I mean, done, it's, it's colossal. They were that. trying to solve a problem. Right. Because they don't have any tax base. But they solved it with the wrong solution. Right. And it created other problems. But, but the way we talk about it is there are all these evil villains in the, in Flint, Michigan. And why, if we can do this, why can't we do that? And these are, you know, different compartments. So yeah, I grace. buy this house and I have four rooms in it. Yeah. And I bought it because I wanted this building out here. Right. And there are people around me in this neighborhood that don't have that much. And should they be able to say, hey, well, you know, you've got more than you need. I want some of what you have. Should they be able to move into your house or my house and start eating your eggs? And No. But I don't think that's Because on a big you... scale, that's what people are resisting. Is that they feel that somebody who doesn't have any skin in the game, that's the thing that conservatives are against Democrats because they think they want to spend other people's money. Yeah. And they want to give away shit that they've, they believe. Well, that, right. Know. And like, I think a lot of Democrats are like, we don't want other people's money. We want corporations' money. They make more that's money than they money, used to. That's people's money, though. That's it's still not. people's money. It is. They well, are people, too. Is, yeah, right. Well, I guess like the idea is that like... <laughs> oh, yeah, there's it, that whole law that was... Right, Same. it's 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 floors and ceilings. I mean, I think what Democrat- if your building, your business got so big that somebody started thinking of you as a corporation, and you a corporation is just a legal identity. It's a legal liability corporation, right? LLC. Yeah, limited liability. Right. Yeah, I mean, the which idea means is- that you're not you're not totally private. Your private money can't be come after if you fuck up in business. Right. 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 I, so if somebody if we go if we hit a gas line and it blows up and we owe a lot of money and we don't have that money. 
the company shuts down, the company declares bankruptcy, but my personal wealth, whatever, they don't come from my chickens. That's a limited liability. But you know, the idea is like, there's a big difference between Jeff Bezos, who has $150 billion in, in wealth. In, in Does he wealth. have that in liquid wealth? Or is that what his... That's what his worth is. His worth is, yeah. And I have, you know, $300 in the bank. So like, no, I mean... I, I, I submit to you that there, it's not that different. And that's where we run into the ability to have agency to change this policy. Because it's floors and ceilings. We're coming uh, to the people that are in those positions. They don't think they're any different than you. Right. They see themselves as just honest businessmen that tried to, that started a business and they were successful at it. And everybody hates them because they were too successful. Here's a, here's too powerful. Here's a a statistic. Uh, How long does the average Walmart employee have to work to make what the CEO of Walmart makes in a year? I don't. I, I've thousand, seen these statistics before. Years. Yeah, it's a thousand years. That is a cynical number. It shouldn't be that way. They should not have the opportunity to get so wealthy because who do they get wealthy? Well, who who he's wealthy, wealthy, and all their employees are broke. That's not fair. Well, maybe not, but that also isn't a foundation for a real fair or should doesn't really. I just affect think anything. It's, it's floors I, and ceilings. I agree with you. Floors and ceilings. Ready. Republicans say I, they should. Nobody should tell me how much money I can make. That's that. They don't want regulation. They don't want taxes. They say, no one should tell. No one. I don't want any impediment right, to the potential wealth I could have. But the but the deal with the devil is that they 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 refuse a floor. So you can be wildly wealthy in this country. You can also be really fucking poor because we don't put a floor in place. And I'm not saying like. Well, I'm not like I, I would rather say again. Listen, this isn't the first time we've come up against this in this country. Or you know, right. the, the, Ant- the Sherman is, Antitrust Act, and I don't even know when the fuck that was. Like, what were taxes under FDR? Carnegie and ninety percent mm-hmm. at the top level. Ninety percent. What is it now? It's like twenty something percent. I mean, the, the point is, like, I would be very comfortable if we as a society said, "Listen." You can make $50 billion. You can make more money than you could ever possibly spend. You can't make more than that. We're going to tax the hell out of anything over $50 billion. I'm going to feel like that's okay. I agree with you. How do you sell that to a person that does not believe what we believe? Okay? You and I have a, well, there's a more certain of us. kind of faith. Okay, There's fewer billionaires. right? There's more of us than there are billionaires. Right, but as I said before, I think that the there is a certain thing in us monkeys that, that like – you know that is something of the natural order of things that there is a there's there's a certain amount of like the lemmings or whatever and somewhere in the enlightenment we came up with the idea that there is no lemming everyone is equally important whether you're the pope or the peasant right okay but this is a very new idea and you and I believe in it like we that some people believe in transubstantiation you know we believe in it, but it is still, I believe we have to acknowledge. See, I'm not arguing with you about this belief. I'm right. arguing. How do we Right, because I'm not arguing with you. I'm saying I've been beating my head against this problem for a long time. Right. And I think it's a matter of getting people to see something differently. That, yes, it. Sh- I do agree with you. It should not be this way, and mm-hmm. it should be another way. But, again, that is just a belief. And so if I want it to be more than just a belief, I, I have to demonstrate the, you know, sure. demonstration. Well, so so like, demonstrate the, the like, w- make an argument, okay? Not a shaming one like, Jeff Bezos, you fucking piece of shit. Well, he or is a piece of shit. Or Koch Brothers. 
whether he he's a piece of shit because he has so much money and he's not doing he's not using it for good. He's not planting trees I, for you know, shade. Don't judge a man until you walk a mile in his shoes. I, it's hard for me to call anybody a piece of shit because I've been one. You know, yeah, but and like, like it, so, but money equals power in it, the society that we live in. There's lots of other power though. Look at the power of the Me Too movement. You know, that's a demonstration of like we are our disgust with that kind of behavior mm-hmm. is enough to make um, things happen very quickly. Like you know that you know not people without any individual power very quickly disseminate you know this next person comes into f- ill favor. So how here. do we get people? How do we have the Me Too movement of uh, f- like financial equality? I think that's a very good question, and I I think I don't think we can solve it now, but that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like how do we? Well, it was cons- a tipping point. I mean, wasn't it? It was. It was a. Conf- it was a conflation of a, like this. This meeting of we have social media where a, a movement like this can spread. We had enough. Well, it made a lot of people feel important, even in their shame or their trauma or their abuse. It made a lot of people feel like they had agency that they didn't have before. Right. But also, and, you know, it wasn't new. Like sexual abuse was not new, but eventually, the ability guess- to suddenly have agency yeah. around it with a hashtag yeah. is new. So that's an incredibly powerful thing. It right now it's kind of like um, Prometheus kind of shit, mm-hmm. you know, stealing fire from the gods. Like knowledge is power, communication is power. This is what we do. This is what monkeys do. Like they right. say, "Hey, you go over there, and and you go over here, and you go over here, and we're gonna run these buffalo off this cliff," you know. <laughs> like this is what we do right now. We're it's it's like toddlers dropping a spoon off of their fucking high chair right. and watching mom pick it up it right now it's like it's it has not developed to um responsible agency responsible influence responsible because too much of it is personal you know like the majority of I, what i see a lot of people who are extremely loud and powerful right now are, are extremely angry for other reasons they might just be very hurt and upset insecure powerless yeah people and they're not doing this out of a sense of altruism. They're doing it. <laughs> I mean, isn't so like technology has a power to bring people together and to divide them, right? Like, and we see both. You see social networks that bring people together, and we see social networks and we see people fighting and become. It more brings polarized. them together and then divides them into special categories. Yeah, because for profit, right? But so, like, why does so it they can be marketed to, and they step willingly into those demographics to be marketed. to. I mean, how do we create a Wikipedia of social networks? Like a Facebook that isn't for profit. There, there are no ads. It's, you make it a public utility. You make the internet should be a public utility, and we should have a public Facebook. How about like how to use social media for dummies? Like, first of all, don't believe everything you see uh, just because it's got a link and it looks like it's a real website. Right. Get a do. It's the exact same thing that if you wanted to write a paper in college. Yeah. You didn't just use one source. Yeah, but you, you had know, to have a paying, big but college. You're paying for the degree. You're paying to go to college, and you want to get a degree with a social media. Well, there's, there's, no a buy-in. there's no buy-in. Well, it's not the social media that you're buying into. It is the power that you're wielding and your desire to form up with the other monkeys and communicate and change something. So this is my argument. So, the government needs to create. They need to make the internet a public utility. I shouldn't have to pay for it. It should come out of taxes. Everyone should pay in, and everyone should get the best internet. I think. 
I mean, Rhodes. I would if I were if I were you at this point, I would throw should out. You're right. My therapist said the same thing. <laughs> I would like the internet to be a public I, utility. I think it would be more democratic. Proposition, yes. 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 I, I have I this proposition. I propose, yeah. yes. Just like Rhodes. And I propose this because I've thought about what this effect, what would happen if we did this. And I mean, it is unfair that there are people who can't afford the internet. Everyone should have access but to But you know internet. nobody gives a fuck about fair. Well, Didn't like, your mother right. say to you, I never told you life was going to be fair? No, my mom never said that. Mine did. <laughs> I think you, I mean, I, you know, I think the idea is that like... That's such a subjective thing. So we need to get it into objective, as objective as we can. What? The internet? value. Fairness is not a value. I'm not talking about fairness. I'm not okay. about everyone should have internet. Because it democratizes every. You know how hard it is if to like, like you, everyone should be able to bank like for free. Postal banking. You want to talk about? We can have a whole podcast on like why we should bring back. We had postal banking for fifty-five years in this country. Every post office offered free, basic. Bumped. I'm not. I'm listening to you, but something's thum thum thumbing. Okay. Next door. I never turned off the fucking. We've been listening to this goddamn air conditioner the whole time. All right. So they're used. No. So anyway, for for 1911 to 1966. Every post office offered free basic banking services. Oh, this is one of my neighbors. Yeah. Here? He's bumping it. It's a car driving around. He's a big this fan. But anyway, that's like what that does is it democratizes banking. Like it's really I agree, right? I agree with you. I'm all for collectivism. I am I am a socialist. Well, these are things and, that it makes it it makes it it makes it democratic. But how do I get other people to feel the same way I do? Like I believe Black Sabbath's a great band. They are. Not everybody feels that way. Really? Mm-mm. Well, that's taste. I mean, I. <laughs> that's just difference in taste. This is policy. You yeah, can say, listen, is... well, you have to get, you have to, I mean, it depends. It's not that different. Where there's the same machine is making this value judgment. So I, if you want to sell something to somebody, yeah. you know, like I could walk, like I want people to shop at Restaurant Depot because it's my job to convince them to shop at Restaurant Depot. Now, I, I do believe that it is a valuable resource, Restaurant Depot. But I got to get them to share that, and I can't get them. I can't walk in there and say you should shop at Restaurant Depot. Why? Well, you, gotta well, you should because you know it's good and it's fair and it's like right, <laughs> right. So, but I mean, for some people, it'd be like, no, oh, I have to fair? say to them, you have more agency over right. controlling your profit margin. The whole reason you have a restaurant and you're selling stuff, right? Is you have so to find the can, selling right. points. So we just have to figure right. out what the selling points are. I mean, I think Democrats are very bad at figuring out messaging. I think Republicans are very good at simplifying messaging and controlling the dialogue. They call it tax relief. We call well, it tax cuts. Mm-hmm. They call it death tax. We call it a state tax. Pro-life, pro-choice. I mean, they're very good at shaping arguments and simpl- oversimplifying them. Mm-hmm. Democrats need to get better at it and say, listen, like, you know, it, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't work 40 hours a week and still be poor. If you're working 40 hours a week and you're still poor, then it means that the minimum wage is does not equate to a living wage, which means that the social compact has failed. And we need to move this, the living wage. We need to make a, a minimum wage a living wage. Why is that a big ask? Why should, why well, should people live again, in poverty I will if do a thought, I will do a thought experiment on it. Like, and I, I agree with you, okay? Right. Like you and I are, but I'm, I'm starting, I've been trying to understand why there is anyone that does not believe as I believe. Right. That is still, I have to believe, because of my, my 
what has worked for me as far as my spiritual practices of uh, more Eastern yes. kind of thinking that all people are equally valuable right. and that I'm, and then I do better understanding and having compassion for people, even doing shitty things so than talk, trying to make yeah. them other. So, so talk through it. Well, like uh, let's say you're in a fucking deserted Island and you got to that deserted Island and you want to crash ship and you built some nice stuff and like you really you made a decent place for you and like maybe 12 other people to live and you guys all had plenty of coconuts and fucking bananas and and like you, you got it together and the weather's temperate is a great spot yeah and then another ship came along and they showed up there and they you know you don't have any more right to that fucking land than they do like Columbus. you just got there first right and then they come along and they're like well we should do a different thing like you, you right you guys got too much stuff like you got too much coconuts and bananas and we want some of those coconuts and bananas and we want to completely change this whole system that you're living under because it, it, it's not fair that you guys are benefiting from the resources on this island so much more than we are. Right. Like how would you, if depending on which side of that and really decides how you feel about that. Right. It's like if it's you're the floors with, and ceilings. Right. Would I right. rather have half the group starve and half have more than they need? Or would I have everyone have enough and the potential to have more. I want that one. Right. That's but, democratic socialism. And I think everybody actually does want that. But not everyone is convinced that um, the way to get there is the way that, say, Democrats have proposed. Because so far, I've seen a lot of government bureaucracy fuck the shit out of great programs and take money and squander it. Right. And like just in this city, I've told you and your partner these stories before and working in Rec and Parks and watching them take a lot of money and waste it on a marketing campaign. Right. And maybe hire friends and family, nepotism, and just basically redistribute that wealth like fucking Robin Hood. Right. Corruption. You know? Yeah. 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 I mean, that but, Richmond was, has so much, had so, so much So people don't trust Okay. <laughs> so yeah, you let right. So it's not that they do don't want trust? universal health care. It's that they, they don't, don't trust, trust the motherfuckers well. to do it. Right. And they do at least believe that when somebody's got a vested interest like skin in the game, that they're gonna do a good job well, of managing that. Yeah. I mean I, I think yeah. the point is that like it's that private public sector thing. It's like healthcare in America will never be fair. It will never be affordable. It will never treat everyone unless it's not for profit. Would would they, no, if 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 the post office was private sector, nobody in Bumblefuck Wyoming would ever have mail. But the point is that when you live in America, you say, "Listen, I don't care how much it costs. I think everyone should have access to a library. Everyone should have access to an well, education." Well, we did a very good job for probably fifty, sixty years of getting everybody on the same page, propaganda wise, in this country. Right, but you went to elementary school and you were taught. To believe in the post office, and you believed in it. I believe that that's like Tinkerbell. Be, I don't care how much it costs; it doesn't have to make money. It's not for profit, right? And that's the point. You have the option for prop. For you have a you have, you can do UPS, you can do FedEx, you can pay a premium for the private sector option of getting something somewhere faster or more trackable or whatever. But the point is, like, you establish like a baseline, and you say, "Listen, like, everyone gets healthcare. If it's an emergency, you get right in." If it's non-emergency and the and it's backed up, you might have to wait. But guess what? That's not the point. The I, point is, everyone, you can always pay more for private. Again, I agree with you. So that's so pretend argument. like okay, but your so far your argument is basically still it ought to be this way because that's right. It's more fair and it's more yeah, it's more just. Right, but those are very subjective 
But no, but you could you could look at the data and say, listen, like when everybody has access to mail, anybody can start a business. Mm-hmm. When everyone has access to internet, anyone could have access. To so that's a better way of selling it. Like, well, what that's I, what I mean. Like, what's good for you is almost always. So I want to sell. I want to sell to this company. If I can just get right up to the next level in this company, right. I want to sell them on the practical benefits of treating these people better. Don't say you should be paying these people more than nine dollars an hour. And say well, the, I mean, yeah, the logic well, is like the glass ceiling we're at, or the margin that we're at, and disseminating the value of this brand is not going to respond to spending more money on messaging. We've got to change our culture because if, like, who is it? Richard Branson said, "I don't worry about my customers. I worry about my employees, and they take care of my customers." Yep. So well, I mean, what did Henry Ford? So you sell that is a to the kinds of people that run my business. They're data analysts, spreadsheets, ROI. I'm lucky I have a job because they don't really believe in marketing. You know, yeah. they believe if they that they're what they do is so awesome that they open up this place that people are going to just flock there. Eventually, everyone's going to hear about it, and they're all going to. It's going to be undeniable. They're just going to come. I mean, Restaurant Depot but, should have an employee track that says if you want to start a, a restaurant, a food business, we'll help provide education because who's going to buy their shit? And later we on do actually the- provide. We well, anyway. But think about it. If this you, is an example fast, fast of like I'm trying to sell them on treating people better because I was one of those people that they didn't treat so good. Right. All right. And and I can't. I know that they won't respond to. You should treat people better because it's just not right how you treat people because right. it's just not fair. It just because it just ain't right and all of that. Your I gotta say, sense, I if it. you take better care of them, they're gonna have more vested interest in this business. They're gonna do more work for you. But I don't mean more money. I mean there is a whole other thing. Like for the same amount of money, I got more invested because of the guy that was managing me. Do they need better management? Yeah, but they they need to train that. And like, so I would, I have a whole lot of suggestions I would make in order for this net positive to happen based on what their values are. I mean, you've okay, you and I, you and I have the same values. Right. But how do we sell something in an objective way that based on without resorting to our subjective sort of, uh, you know. orthodoxy right. of these well, things. You either like, sell them on it or mm-hmm. you outvote them. I can't sell. Well, if you outvote them, then they are sitting here under the surface, you know, pulling at everything and undermining everything that's going on. I mean, I'm not going to convince a lot of Trump supporters that they shouldn't vote for Trump, but I can try to outregister them. Right. I mean, it'd be great if I can convince them that the environment is actually But those, those 150 million people not, are no, not going that's anywhere. Not the, it wasn't half. There's 350 million people in the country. First of all, we didn't have 100% voter turnout. Right. So of the people that turned out, it was pretty close to being half and half. Mm -hmm. Of the people that turned out. But voter turnout. We don't know about that other 150 million, who they would have voted for. We can assume surely they would have voted for That also assumes that it was a fair (laughs) fight, that there wasn't gerrymandering or voter suppression or whatever. I mean... Come on, like, I mean, the Democrats are always talking about fixing Jerry. How'd they get Obama in? He he inspired more people to turn out. He also used the fuck out of his BlackBerry, and they were the first to get on the new media thing, and they galvanized the fuck out of people. But it was fair, just because he was better at technology. He didn't he didn't tell people like he didn't try to restrict. But like the thing about Republicans in my mind is that like they are trying to get people to not vote. They're trying to intimidate people to not vote. They want voter ID laws. They want voter register like um. 
you know, where they, they, they purge old old um, registration. And, and it's like, what party doesn't want the people to vote? The party that doesn't actually represent the majority of people. Democrats are like... We, it's the marketplace of ideas thing, right? We, we need to have... Man, we need to have... Autom- when you're born, you're, you're automatically registered to vote at 18. Yeah. There's no you reason... You ought to be able to just... As a citizen, you ought no to be able to just reason, walk in and vote for... There yeah. Is, yeah, there's no reason that, that should, there should be a step where you have to go take time to go register. Like it should be automatic, you and it a, is actually when you get it. And this was something. There are laws in there are certain states where it's now automatic. I remember in the uh, '80s there was the big motor voter bill. What's that? Which is that you, when you get your driver's license, you register to vote, and that's how I've been registering. To, this was a new thing Bingo. then. There's no know. reason it shouldn't be automatic. We should have a hundred percent voter registration. So the thing that I always want to say to people who are extremely worked up right now mm-hmm. is that we don't need to smash the machine we don't need to rip the whole thing down this people have been working on this for a long time and they've made a lot of progress sure. it's like i mean recently when wonder woman came out the cry was finally there is a woman hero for us all to look up to in a movie made by a woman there have been Many, many, many movies like that, mm-hmm. just in my lifetime. Right. And that has been an increasingly, I mean, in the 70s when I was a kid, there were TV shows like One Day at a Time and Maud, and there were movies coming out. Like, I mean, there was All in the Family where people were having these discussions like on TV, conservative old men, young hippie guy, uh, right. feminist Carol daughter. O'Connor. I right. mean, feminism was mainstream television every night. Yeah, in you know, like in one different Norman Lear sitcom or another, we have it's. But when if you are twenty something years old and you're just coming into awareness of these things, and there are people out there in the marketing sphere who just want you to click on this fucking article, then it looks like there's some urgency. Right. <laughs> no, that's a good point. I mean, I think you know, you if the system, if the thing is broken. You can burn it down and rebuild a new one, but until you rebuild a new one, you're going to—it's probably going to look like the old one, just like in the French Revolution. You're going to be homeless. <laughs> you can burn the house down and right. rebuild the house, but there's going to be a period of time where you're homeless, and that's when people suffer. This is what Trump is doing. Trump is dismantling huge parts of the government. Granted, parts of the government aren't working. Also, parts of the society don't trust the government. But the problem is not that I think I think our generation will come in and rebuild a better government with more technology and more transparency and more efficiency. After he's gone. But the problem is, in between him being gone and dismantling the house and us rebuilding it, people will suffer. And that's what I care about. Yeah, me too, man. That's exactly the only thing I care about. Mm. And I don't want to cause suffering to alle- for some people to alleviate suffering for another group of people. Right. I don't like I don't believe in the Robin Hood model where you go and you shoot the rich person and you take the rich person's shit and give it to poor people and then they're rich and then you got to shoot that that's actually done in the Monty Python skit um <laughs> in uh the one of their more recent movies like it was like in the uh came out in the 80s I can't remember it's like the uh History of the World mm-hmm. or Something like that. Like Robin Hood is stealing from the rich and giving it to the poor. Then the poor are rich and steals from them. You know? It's like, this is not to say we are stuck in some kind of a Groundhog Day loop. It's to say that, like, let's really look at the causes and conditions of of what we're talking about here. We don't want to... 
Animal Farm. I put George like 1984 and Animal Farm are side by side right now. Right. We have authoritarianism and control of group think, group speak, media. You're being watched. You're being controlled. All of that stuff. And then you got Animal Farm, which says we know better. Uh, we're going to murder the people at the top, and we're going to institute a, a glorious new thing, which uh, immediately resembles the old thing. Yeah. And that's not something, that's not a dystopian vision of the future. That is something George Orwell, right. as a student of history, has seen happen over and over again. I wanted to mention this so, before I forget. You know, Henry Ford got a lot of flack because he paid his, his, um, his employees a lot more than the average. You yeah. know about this? Yeah. And I said, why do you pay your employees so much? Because I want their money back. Yeah. If I give my employees enough money to have a house and a life, mm-hmm. they'll want to buy a car. Yep. And I sell cars. That's the best way to sell these these people. That's what I'm saying. Right. All the economics show that if people have more money, they spend and they buy more things. Right. So absolutely- sell it to them like that. Like that's what I've been saying for a long time. Bring the business back from China, not because you should, but because it makes sense. It yeah. makes like right now though the one percent. It's like they're not living in the communities where their businesses exist right. now. So they live in this sort of um, parallel universe. Well, yeah. You know, and like my grandfather owned an engineering company with his brothers down here in Shaco Bottom. And my grandfather wanted the city of Richmond to be a good place to do business. And he also believed in the marketing necessity of like, you know, as an American businessman, he had to buy an American car. Right. You know, he couldn't buy a German car, although he did buy it when he just let my mother, his daughter drive it. But. Uh, you know, he he was he was mindful of what it meant to be a part of Richmond business, right. and I hear these stories all the time. And it's when they built sixty four, which was great for a lot of people, they fucked up the grading. His business is right under that bridge, that sixty four bridge, you yeah. know, that goes from downtown to like Mechanicsville mm-hmm. and all that. And there was a huge storm, and all this rainwater just rolled down that hill and flooded his factory. And destroyed a huge job wow. that he had set up. And he took a $50,000 a year pay cut to keep his business afloat. And this is not like a heroic story. My grandfather was just an old, like a old school Roosevelt kind of Democrat. Right. You know, and he saw the, his business wasn't the confines of the facility where he did business. It was the community where he did business. Right. And he, I don't know if he was any more altruistic than anybody else. He just saw the connection. Right. And I believe that is what the people who are in business don't think like you and me. I mean, I've learned to think like them over right. the last uh, sure. 10 years. But I, didn't, I come into a, as a romantic and a revolutionary and a radical and a passionate person. And, and I found myself losing in this system. Mm. Because I was always saying, well, it doesn't matter how much money I make or how much of this material stuff is bullshit anyway. It's going to be gone in 20 years. And I wasn't even playing the game at all. And uh, and I was like, you know, shit. I mean, there was a lot of talk, but there was also a lot of drinking and a right. lot of hanging out. And, you right. know, bamboo, you know, except it wasn't bamboo then. It was hole in the wall. Where is that? Used to be on Laurel. Um, Got it. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of VCU. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think getting getting these businessmen today to have, see the vision of bringing business back to America, not be shamed into it, but to say 
if you bring it back here, then these people will be making enough money to give you back their money. Yeah, I think you should be in, yeah, you have to incentivize them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like... So Trump is trying to do that, but he also... I mean, the funny thing about his whole trade war is, like, my 401k is doing better than it ever did. I mean, I think... Right. Well, here's the thing. I think Republicans are great for business. They're just terrible for people. Right. So there's think, a balance. I mean, yeah, business, there's a balance. I mean, yes, there is a balance. I think... You know, if somebody's like, you know, the, the counter argument to raising minimum wage is they're going to cut jobs because they can't pay all their employees at the same time. I was like, great. If you can't afford to pay your employees a living wage, you have a failed, you have a flawed business model. Well, then every restaurant is a flawed business model. Right. So, so, so we're living in a dream. It's totally like. I mean, in a funny way, restaurants are very much like what we live in, in, the, in that the customer comes in there and they pay for this one thing and then they pay an extra tax in the form of a tip. That they technically... Well, I mean, a tip is something... It's, it's technically the, voluntary. But that is the business owner passing the cost of that employee onto the... Onto the, onto the mm-hmm. um, and that's not fair. They should just pay their employees more. Again... There are businesses that succeed that pay restaurant people more. And mm-hmm. they might be more expensive. But then the point is that, like, we're living... Like, it's not... Like, if you eat at a place because it's cheap, somebody's losing. I think... I agree. It's a selfish choice. I think it'd be better that because seriously restaurants would be better if waiters weren't mercenaries yeah so why don't we see more restaurants that say we just pay more don't worry about tip because it's hard to change i'm like why don't i see more restaurants that are willing to come pick their stuff up instead of getting it delivered because it's what they're used to (laughs) it's what they know you know it's and um that's so much of why don't you kind of shit you know like, why don't I fucking lose 40 pounds? It's hard to change. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's like I don't even have a choice. Like, I'll just sit there and eat an entire goddamn pizza after spending three hours or two hours at the gym. Two hours? You know? Yeah, today I actually fucking went in there and took a boot camp class. I lifted weights and then took a yoga class. That's incredible. And then I, came, and then I went to McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, that's balance. Yeah. I The most I did today was um, I pooped. And that was about that was the only thing that got my heart rate up. No, I'm kidding. I, I wonder I, if we could do a fecal transplant, and so I could be skinny like you, because you have an efficient metabolism. You, like you probably couldn't put. There are some people that the the microbial biome of your. Um, I eat a lot of um, vegetables. You probably came with it. Yeah, I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. Depends on where you're living. You know, like if you and I suddenly found ourselves uh, on a desert island, I'm gonna outlive you because I got more stores. But I can help us grow food. You're going to need me around. What if you can't grow food there? We're shit out of luck. Yeah. So I might live a little bit longer until the rescuers get there. See, I mean, this was a problem. My metabolism, like the people that I come from, they moved away from places of plenty. Right. And they ended up in places where they had to store. They could eat so much during a certain time of the year. Right. And then they needed to be able to put on insulating weight. and they So their metabolism said any little thing you get a hold of, that's efficient right. for those people is to say, take these 100 calories, <laughs> turn them into fat because that's going to last you. Yeah, I mean, you know? I do. But I, now that's a problem in this context. My Doesn't, metabolism will change and I will change my behavior to reflect that. But until then, I, I also don't eat like terrible food. Like I tend to eat pretty well, pretty healthfully. I think I think eating food from a garden is just not all kale is created equal. Not every you know like I mm-hmm. think you pick something and walk inside and eat it. 
You fucking meat, man. I love I love picking a squash. I didn't even fucking cook it. I just pulled it out of, off the vine and right. bit into it. But one of the things that people don't even talk about is that there's so much nutrient loss when food is transported. It was not evolved mm-hmm. to be picked, put into a shipping container, shipped for 12 days. There's so many things, you know. You listen to the Yorel Harari book that agriculture is actually one of the worst things that could have happened to us because it has destroyed the diversity of the uh, plant life on this planet. We favored like four capitalism fucking... did that, right? It was like it was before we... capitalism. It was like what's okay? We sure, but capitalism to... made it way worse because it, it really happened in the last fifty years. You know, I, growing the same types of. I corn. mean, if you have you read that book, uh, Sapiens and Homo Deus by. Um, Yervel Harari. I mean, he basically, you know, again, agriculture solves one problem, creates another. Yeah. Like, you need a lot of people to farm all that fucking but land. But not Whereas, all problems are created equal, too, right? Like, it, it I allowed... mean, the amount of calories you had to expend in order to get the calories that you get out of farming, like, people keep trying to win at that ROI game, you know? But it also So, with allowed... pesticides to fuck the planet up, right. with, like... You know, factory farms with tomatoes that don't have any nutrients in it. But yeah, you can drive them from California to Virginia. And right. But you can live, red. you can you can you can garden, and that way you're not participating in massive agriculture. You can promote biodiversity by growing different things in your garden. And you and I like to spend time that way, and we get a lot of value out of it. But I went on a date with a girl recently who was like, you know, that's not the kind of thing I want to spend my time on. Uh-huh. I don't want to work on my house. I don't want to garden. What does she want to spend her time? I don't know, dude. Not a keeper. <laughs> I was no. I didn't think so either. I it mean, was a interesting. You know, one of the worst. Not bad dates because like we fought or didn't get along, just, but it was like completely different values. Yeah. Hey, know? man, it's kind of refreshing to meet that. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, it's a good time. I mean, you and I are very much like this. Like, it's a good time to do something that is actually directly related to your actual existence. You know, the the the, the livelihood and the shelter and all of that. It's meditative. It's rewarding. Right. You, you know, can be an it's architect. It's fun. It make, is work. Yeah. You could be an architect. Make more money than me. Sit in an office all day. Take the money you make and go buy food that came from far away. It's going to be less nutritious for you because it's been losing nutrients since they picked it. It's worse for the environment because the fossil fuels that went into growing it that far away and bringing it to you. It's a, it's an all out lose, but you get a building because the person is an architect. They we need architects, right? So, but yeah. I think that we are imbalanced. I think forty hours a week and everybody's scraping by. Like I, I think we need to change like how much we work. I mean, you know, when I was when I was at my lowest um, income. I just chose to live in a house with two other guys. Like, actually, right now, I'm renting out two rooms right. because I want a better margin. Right. You know, so I'm willing to sacrifice yeah. certain things to make my money add up better. Yes. You know? And I don't think a lot of us are willing to do that. Like, for some reason, there's the myth that we all buy into that we all need our own place to live. When our parents have a perfectly fucking good house and right. a bedroom in it, but you're no good if you don't move out at a certain age. Failure to launch. You know, yeah. you're less than. That's probably a marketing thing of people who have shit to rent and shit to sell. But we don't even question it. We're just like, yes, of course. Oh, man, as soon as I can get the fuck out of here, I got to get the fuck out of here. But there is a you know sense of independence. You want to live the lifestyle that you want, and you can't. Do so you got to pay for that. And yeah. what, what if you know, like, I mean, it would, based on what I'm making, I adjust how I'm living to what I'm earning. Right. You know, so I say I can't have cable. I can't have a cell phone. Yeah, compromise. I, I don't. I don't think. Our, and I go use 
state like when I was in Minnesota, I'd go to the fucking state parks and camp and yeah. you know, I like for the first time in my life I really made use of the things that my tax dollars were already paying for. Yeah. And I made use of the things that were free and I had a 20-year-old 10-speed and I rode on the yes. you know. Yes. I think I don't know if this is I don't know if this is generational or if it's America or if it's just our species, but like compromises. No, we're not good at that. We're spoiled. We're spoiled, but like again, it creates other problems. Like it's like you can grow a little, like take a little time out of your week, plant a garden, grow your own food. You end up spending less. You end up eating healthier. You end up hurting the environment. Plus, just less. walking out in your yard and seeing that bright green, like I mean, when I was just looking at those corn plants and those squash plants, they're so just cool. like, oh, like magic. they're just shining this fucking yeah. And you know who else likes it? All the worms and all the pollinators. And like it benefits so much more than just you. So when I was drinking, the only thing I valued was like, I mean, this is ridiculous, but I mean like my black jeans and my black denim jacket and being at this bar with my uh, Miller High Life in my hand and this band playing and like knowing what was the cool band. Oh no, that band sucks. This band's cool. And like that was all my fucking energy went into that. Yeah. And I couldn't even see... Like that other shit, like gardening or, or any of that stuff. That was just like that's for suckers, you know. I'm I'm cool, you know. That's that is a resource, yeah. you know. I wasn't, but I thought so, and I had a spiritual awakening of sorts, you yeah. know. I didn't see like God or the burning bush or whatever. I was in nature, you know, on a camping trip with a girl. Like took me camping, and I and I had a gnostic. That's amazing. A mystical experience, you know, and I've talked about it on here before. And that changed my values. Nobody could take the Curtis in his black denim jacket with his Miller High Life and his shot of Jim Beam and his other substances he liked to play around with that thought he was living in some fucking Keith Richards, like, you know, fantasy, rock and roll fantasy. Nobody could tell that guy that. You had to figure it. You just had to do it yourself. But people had to be doing it and making it attractive. Nobody is ever going to step into anybody else's life and tell them something different than what they believe. Yeah, you got to show them. And, like, I think... This is my whole point of this whole conversation is that I think, you, you know, your generation um, is, has the heart in the right place. Is also extremely impatient. <laughs> change is slow. Meaningful change is slow. And also thinks that they should just bully people into making the right choice. Yeah. I mean, I think that that mentality comes from frustration mm-hmm. of like saying, like, listen, we're trying so many things. They're not working. Right, I, I I hear what you're saying, but I think like that's kind of where the frustration is. It's like, you know, we're we're not seeing change fast, but we're also not seeing very much change at all. It feels like, and we have like an, an addicts, you know. I mean, you guys especially have been conditioned to an addictive kind of model of the world. Like, and I know, like, from when I was an addict, it's like you do this thing and bang, this other thing happens. Yeah. You light this thing, you smoke this thing, you snort this thing, you drink this thing, you have an immediate You tap this thing, thing you swipe right. this thing. You click on this link, yeah. <laughs> you've catapulted here. Yeah. You know, I want to watch this movie, but ding, there it is. I don't <laughs> got to go to the video store, yeah. you know? No, you're right. And, and so that's cool shit, but it conditions you to think everything's bang, zoom. Yeah. And the really good shit is a practice. It is a, you know, mm. it's a cyclical, like a radial thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's going to stick, it's, you know, like, you know, you can't just throw, you know, as a gardener, you can't throw a bunch of seeds in the ground and expect them. Like you told me, one to grow, 
one for the rook, one for the crow, one to die and one to grow. Yep. You know, and, and that sort of patience, you know. Ooh, I think gardening, that's, gardening to me is such a good exercise in, in giving up control for things you can't control and being patient. You know who else thought that? Who? Thomas Jefferson. Not a bad guy. He well, wasn't a bad guy. <laughs> not a great guy. He's good. I mean, I'm, I'm a Hamiltonian, but yeah. He, well, I mean, but he, he said that the people I want voting, the people I think should be deciding the course of this country are farmers. Because they're, they're patient. And because they have a biorhythmic, you know, yeah. like they're in tune with the harmonies of the land. I think obviously the answer here is that we need a combination of those types of people. And we need people who are different. We need people that aren't biorhythmic and patient yeah. because they, we need balance. I think that's what everyone kind of comes back to is like, it doesn't feel balanced. We want balance. We and might I, not have ever had balance. So the question is, it, has anything changed balance-wise or are there people with vested interests in control of messaging and marketing that are getting us to feel this lack of balance? Oh, it feels to me like the balance, like the scale. I mean, do you see it in your everyday life? See like what? when you do you see the imbalance as you go out of your house oh, yeah. and you go work and you interact with people all day long and yeah you sure. do I mean I think it, it you know it's it's almost like it feels like the the scales have lots of extra artificial chips that have been put on by other things it's not that prevented from actually being truly weighted by its own gravity I agree with that and I think it's the marketing people that are doing that I think that I think that my very earnest and like sincere uh, peers, comrades, are being jerked around quite a bit right now. Oh, yeah? And I think that they're intentionally, cynically being jerked around so that they don't actually end up accomplishing anything. Mm-hmm. They're just getting, you know, herded this way, herded that way, you know, running around in circles in the same fucking maze, and they can't even get out of the fucking maze. They're still playing the same game, you know? And, like, I think the thing is to step up and get your head up above the maze. It's hard. And look at the eternal shit and look at the context and the history and be able to see it as the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, what went on in the French Revolution? Is that really different than what's going on now? Um, well, I think it's interesting that the quote that we brought up, that a society grows great when old men plant trees under which shade they'll never sit mm-hmm. under, sit in, is a Greek proverb that we've been playing we've been figuring this out for thousands of years i mean if you read the ancient greek stuff they're ta- they're tackling questions of free will mm-hmm. and autonomy and democracy they're they're debating the same stuff that we are today aristotle's podcast would have been great but yeah. i think that's the point is like check me out at the forum kids. but even what might have been a solution then it may not be a solution now well, that's it's, it's a very constant. long process like evolution mm-hmm. you know you didn't get us overnight there was a shitload of failed hominids, you know. Well, that's what I mean. Is like that. It's always going to be a f- struggle, and you always have to fight. So Aristotle's it. tree is we're sitting in the shade of it right now. Mm-hmm. Like the dialectics and the logic and the reason and the use of the human mind to solve these conceptual problems as opposed to technical problems. Do you want a story to round this out? Sure. And we do need to. This is the longest one ever. Oh, good for us. Two and a half hours. We, uh, let's see. There's a, um, there's a boys prep school in, in England. And it's been around for like three, four hundred years. And the sort of, cent- the focal point of this, of the campus is this large uh, hall. 
think it's like a dining hall or reading room. I forget what it is, but it's this beautiful building with these huge white oak rafters, these huge like old growth, like original growth, you know, from trees that were hundreds of years old supporting the building. And uh, they had uh, like a structural engineer come in and do an assessment of all the property. And he came back and said, listen, like, you're going to need to think about replacing those those rafters, those uh, joists or whatever they were. Because uh, they're going to begin to to lose the structural integrity over time. And so, well, what do we do? I mean, these are hundreds of year old trees. Like, we're never going to be able to replace those with actual other white oak. And somebody said, oh, ask the forester. And they said, the what? They're like, yeah, there's a forester on staff. There's a guy who's a groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. He manages the forest because part of the school is a tract of land. So they went up to him. Supposed to ask you about some white oak. He goes, "Oh, are the rafters ready?" And when they built the building, they planted an orchard of of white oak because they knew that by the time the rafters would start to get too old, it would be three four hundred years, and those trees would have been three four hundred mm. years. So they planned. They said, you know, when they, they they built the building, they they planted all these white oak trees. So that's what we have to do, right? We have to we have to plant the trees for the future. We have to live in a, we have to create the building that we want to live in. And we have to prepare, you know, for how the So concurrent, concurrently within that story, depending on how you're inclined to see things, it's extremely practical mm-hmm. and also romantic. Perfect. And it's <laughs> both of those things together. But the best part mm-hmm. is, I think, in that story is that when they went to the forester and said, We need we need to ask you about these trees. He already knew. They already knew because they had been passed down from forester to forester. Mm-hmm. So the nobody, administration nobody didn't asked, even know. They didn't even know anymore. It had passed into like obscurity, but only the foresters had they kind of kept this knowledge going. Yeah. So we'll leave you to contemplate that because we could tear that one. <laughs> it's it's planting <laughs> not trees tear, for, but it's planting trees for the future. So I decided to explore Jordan Peterson. Oh, God. No, we got to call it. We gotta... He just said the same thing at the end of his book. What did he say? You need the left and the right. Yeah, we need balance. It's yin and yang. It's like the passion and the imagination and the uh, outside-the-box thinking. It, you got to have that. You also have to have these square-ass motherfuckers who know how to implement it yes. and know how to administer it. The problem and now, we need to work together and we need to see each other as aspects of the same whole. Not one needs to be eradicated in the other. Sure. I think know. the problem for a lot of people is that it doesn't feel like there's a healthy balance. It doesn't feel like there's a healthy right and a healthy left. They feel like they've been pushed so far that the dialogue is not a constructive. Yeah, but that feeling. You think is eternal? No. Well, I do think that feeling somewhat, but I also think that that is... In my experience, in my just on my time on the planet, which is admittedly brief, but I'm almost 50 years old, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like things have changed as much as how shrewdly these emotions are being played upon and manipulated right yeah. now. Okay? That's what it feels like to me. I could be totally wrong, but it looks... The same things are needing to be worked on, and we are working on them, and we are growing in this direction. Mm-hmm. It looks way better to me in in 2018 than it looked in 1988 or in 1993. 
you know, that was when the Rodney King right. beating happened. It was the first time something like that was caught on video. And what people said then was, this has been going on forever. This is just the first time somebody caught it on video. Mm-hmm. The exact same thing has been said in the last three years. Yeah. So I'm not saying none of this is real and none of this is true, but the level of intensity that individuals are feeling about it is misplaced. I think that it is actually being stoked. Like I'm standing back sure. and I see a conspiracy to get people worked the fuck up and it, very irresponsibly so, you know, and I don't want to see people out on the street. I want to like, I don't agree with anything. The motherfuckers on the right at unite the right had to say, okay, right. but I don't want them to be able to use the excuse of being cracked down on right to you to crack down on the people I do agree with. Right. Because we have to live under the same laws. You know, there are already laws on the books. You can't wear a mask in public in the, in the state laws in right. the South where there was the Ku Klux Klan. So that those motherfuckers wouldn't put masks on and go burn crosses in people's lawns. Right. Can't do that. Regardless of why you think you're doing it, you can't. I also don't think you can be Antifa and go burn a trash can and throw it through somebody's window, even if you think you're righteous. Because then you say anybody can throw a trash can through a window. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a problem is that, you know, part of this is it's optics. We should have left it at that thing. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes, I think, it is you know, optics. I, I think it's important before you act to consider how that action can be interpreted or misinterpreted. So that so that your intention can be altered, right? Like when Antifa does something, it's very easy for the far right or the right wing Fox News, whatever, to to paint it as like, look, it's just as bad. And if and well, in, in this to- in this in the sense, I, it isn't just as bad ideologically. It is just as bad action wise. Right. And, right. So any, the idea is that like we any, need to be sowing really the seeds of chaos, and you know, we have to act in a way that deprives them of that fuel that says we need to do something that is so clearly what it is that it will be hard to misinterpret like you know who did it really well in the 60s late or was it the 50s even what Martin Luther King you know that that all of that you know you listen to John Lewis talk about the way they rehearsed in order because for the sit-ins yeah I mean and that's part of it is it like they knew that if they got hit with the water hose it was kids it was students getting hit with a hose or getting you that know, looks real bad and that's what won the people in the middle over mm-hmm. that's what we need to do Metgar Evers won people in the middle over love him so um, yeah I mean I 100% agree with the message I don't agree with the method because we we have to play by these rules and like not because I'm being conservative, but because that arms the rules against the truly chaotic, hate-filled people. Right. Like, they can't act either. You know, they, well, can't, yeah. they can't step up. I mean, the theory behind Gandhi's passive resistance and Martin Luther King's passive resistance, it was a well-thought-out strategy. Because it wins people over. It wins people over. It also makes it difficult to use um, lethal force against people who aren't using lethal force. Yeah, I mean, I in agree the public, that, I mean, out, you know, in the streets, it's been fifty years. We are romanticizing something that was not romantic. But I think you're I don't right think I'm romanticizing. I've listened to I mean, no, I've but I know. This. But it's easy to look back at the civil rights movement and be like, look. But you know, I, I agree. It that was I, fucking brutal. Yeah, it was. I mean, they're all they all got assassinated. But I mean, but yeah, I mean, the point right. is that like 
that's how I think we're going to win is, is by that. It has to be that we move people over to, mm-hmm. you can't just out register voters. You got to win people. Martin, uh, Abraham Lincoln said, you know, you but I think you have to do it in a way that's really, that's it's marketing. You have to think how, how do we make a move that is very, it is impossible to argue against or, or just cannot, you cannot like, I don't know. I, I also don't know because it feels like everything is different now. I'm kind of curious. You, you had something stolen from you like recently, and I, I grew up with that. Like that was a norm of of my childhood. Yeah. Like that I knew I couldn't leave a toolbox in my car. Right. I, 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 I had conditioned myself to yeah. lock my shit up, bring it in the house. I shouldn't have had to do that. Right. Now, when at the time when we would talk about how fucked up that is, the people would say, "Well, I mean, you know, the people who are doing that are very poor, and they've been marginalized, and they were, you know, the descendants." And this is in the '70s, and they just the civil rights movement just happened. Yeah. And um, you know, I was encouraged not to feel the loss of my thing, but compassion for the people that were stealing from me. So my hope. Do you feel that way? Yeah. No. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like you know the the obvious thing is to be like, "Fuck somebody who steals from you," but like. If they're stealing, there's it's either they're greedy or they need it. And my hope is that whoever stole this toolbox is using it to make a living, right? That's definitely not happening. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, that's I mean, a good hope. I know, right? You know, like the guys that are going around doing that kind of shit, that are doing that kind of petty crime. Yeah, they do really need it. In my experience, it's because they are on drugs, and like a lot of people around here are like, and I know a young woman who. I have met through other channels that is selling herself Yikes. and she's like 20, 22. She's been in jail like three times. Yeah. Um, and she's Caucasian by the way, and she's stolen cars and stuff. Jesus. Um, but the question I wanted to ask, and I've been thinking about this myself because I, there was a podcast uh, on being when uh, one of the uh, radical sixties Ruby's, I can't remember her last name is sales or something like that. Mm. She said, why do white liberals have so much more compassion for poor black people than poor white people? And like, if, well, cause poor white people weren't one slave. Yeah. But they kind of, I mean, they weren't exactly, but now they're facing the same problems. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't think it's Tim wise would say, well, I'm, you know, she asked this question. I'm not asking yeah. this question necessarily. Although, if you knew it was some white redneck kid that had stole your... It wouldn't matter. Doesn't I mean, matter. No, being it stolen doesn't matter from... who, what the race of the... I mean, t- to me, it's like, I shouldn't have left it in my truck. Somebody shouldn't steal. Um, if they're stealing, then there's problems here. If it's uh, drug addiction, then like we should have better... We should raise taxes on the wealthy and better fund, um, you know rehab we need to change our society's relation like we need to stop like criminalizing mental health behavior yeah right? there's a really nice home my f- friends in it right now a really nice homeless shelter i mean nice enough right. down on dinwiddie in manchester called mm-hmm. the healing place and if you're willing to get sober they will let you live there for a year Great. and they will put you all the way up to a vocational training program which my roommate was one of the teachers who actually went through the whole program and is now one of the teachers nice. of that. But most people don't... It's not like the shit's not there. Right. <laughs> That's true. But then... You're right. Right. So, you know, they even there was a study and they were like, the number one way to solve homelessness is to give people homes. Like right. they'll, they'll find work. They'll they find had homes at one time. Yeah. And, and then if it's, and if it's a mental health thing, then we need to 
we need to change how we like deal with that. And addiction and is a mental health thing. Oh, absolutely. But also like, just imagine the trauma of like living outside. You know, one of the things they did a study and they found that like homeless people um, are almost always sleep deprived and it makes all their decision making impaired. But do you feel, okay. So does the fact that African-American people, maybe not even the African-American people that live here now, I mean, it has been 150 years since slavery ended and then I don't know, a hundred years since Jim Crow or something like that. 50, 50 years. The people born there is, and there's white privilege. It's still systemic, but there are people, you know, the, there are 350 million people in this country. And, um, I think it's 20% of them are African American. So there's a shitload of other poor people in this country. And I don't think people, nobody is really talking about them. No, but you can also say twenty percent of African Americans don't have the right to vote anymore because of felony charges. That is a systemic. That is a way to yeah, silence I have a, a fr- population. Yeah, I have if, a friend who can't even get a job because he's got a felony charge right. for something he did when he was twenty-two. Right. So if you think about okay, if one out of five African Americans can't vote, they can't adequate. They can't choose representatives fairly. To represent them because their their voice is not. Those poor white people are living exactly the same way, and they're. Yeah, I mean, I don't have more. I I mean, the point is, like, doesn't matter. I'm not saying you do, you do or don't. It's just something I wanted to bring up because. But there are. I don't have as much compassion for a poor. I guess that's what I'm saying is I'm. You know, I tend to think of their problems being of their own making and the problems of African American people being systemic. But maybe it's all systemic. Well, I mean, it's that it's like that uh, privilege walk. It's like if you start a race and you're white, you get to start 10 paces up. Yeah, but you started with two parents that were doctors, and I started with a, a father who was in middle management for Philip Morris and a mother who was a homemaker. Right. I mean, but that's... We, but we found each other. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't that notion, I've seen that talked about the justice, equity, and, and equal, um, I, I, or fair. Right, right, right. right, right. And... These things just, they really oversimplify things because people, I believe people need a certain amount of like, there's a certain amount of struggle. Right. Well, so that you've got to find your way. Sure. You know, and like I had good friends in high school that were very fucking wealthy and I'm sure you did too. And they didn't amount to shit. And like, sure. And and I have friends who had much less and have amounted to more. I mean, the point with like, so what about those people that start off in the projects and they just do it here? to the values that their grandmother taught them and they, they learned in school and they work really hard and they get, they get, you know, they, maybe they don't meet to the same level on the apple cart that or the peach crates that were standing on looking at the baseball field, right. that cartoon, but they, their, their choice to take agency in their life should be the one that we are celebrating, not the person who born into the same just chose crime and chose drug dealing because there really is a choice there that you do have a choice. And I went to school with those kids and I was being taught the same thing. Do you think it's a hundred percent choice or do you think, I think there are so many environmental You've factors. always got a choice between you. Maybe it's a shitty job at McDonald's or a bricklaying job. People are always looking for fucking laborers to do shit. Sure. And you can, I have worked my way up from at the age of 39. But the idea behind privilege is like that, you know, privilege says like white privilege is like, it's not that because your skin is white that your life is less hard. It means that because it's white, 
That isn't one of the reasons it's hard. Exactly. Right. But like, yeah, I've I agree never with that. Over by the cops I because, agree with that. You know, but if we just remove that one thing, that still wouldn't change the systemic problem that the paradoxes of our culture. And like, if we did fix that one problem, we would still be dealing with human beings that um, are being exploited. And sure, but then like, not, okay, so I I typically have less sympathy for men that do something that like that like that do something desperate than I do for women because like right. women are they get paid less for the same work. I feel the same way as you do about that and yet I that's why some of those people voted for Trump I think is because nobody has any sympathy for them. They they that's what they how they feel, right or wrong. That's but they, I mean, and, and I'm trying to understand this, sure. right? Because I don't want to just make them aliens that uh, are from some shitty thing like that needs to be eradicated. No, not They're at all. They're human beings that have wound up well, feeling and believing yeah. something totally different from me, and there's got to be a reason for that. I think every, I think most people want the same same things. They want like a steady income. They want a safe home. Get they laid. Want, yeah, they want sex. They want education. They want a better life for their kids. I mean, like, that's universal. And yet, we still find all these ways to differentiate ourselves and hate each other. Like, whatever. But, I, you know, I, you know, I think... Um... Yeah, I mean, amongst people who are the same color, I've found lots of reasons not to want anything to do with people <laughs> that look exactly like me. Right. You know, like, they like golf. Or um, they wear really stupid clothes, or they like bad music. They like jam bands, and um, they like the Grateful Dead. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Gosh. Like it, it's we're gonna do that. Right. Like so, my thing is, I feel like we've been arguing about the distinctions, and they actually perpetuate the separateness. Right. So I think whether it's positive or negative. Whether it's as a victim or as an aggressor. Well, that's we but, need leadership. We need a we need a party, a political party. We need people that are going to be talking about what brings us together, right? Mm-hmm. We need people that say, "Listen, like white, black, whatever, human beings." Yeah, like we're all we all want to succeed. We all want a fair shot. We all, you know, and we need leaders. To, whoever runs for the Democrats in twenty twenty, what I really want them to say is like we're like we want to build an America for everyone. That there is, you know, and and just really ho- like just really hammer that point. That that's it. That's what we want. We want it to be, you know, we want everyone to have the same. Yeah, and I don't want those rights to just stop at the borders of the United States. I mean, as Yorel Harari said, you know, you don't have rights. You just have the ones the state gives you. Right. Depends on what state you're in. Depends on what country you're in. Yeah. I want a universal human value system. I want us to get at the the big thing. Like I feel like we're fighting over, you know, the color of the drapes in a house that's burning. You know, the house is burning. It's yeah. called global climate change. And right. it's this one opportunity to bring everyone together. Mm-hmm. We got. But it. we love talking about the distinctions, right. and those distinctions really do not constitute a difference to me like human beings do what human beings do i'm living proof of like how if the power structure has changed i'm going to be a victim and i was a victim growing up because the power dynamic was different and i was in the minority and i was treated by the people who were in the majority there 
very badly, nearly drowned. You know, like right. a good friend of mine was sexually assaulted in the community pool. Jeez. You know, I mean, shit, crazy shit happened in in the Churchill in the seventies and eighties. Right, but the point was and, that like you get to experience what it was like to be minority. Right. Which, and so now you have more empathy towards. See, I haven't that. had the other experience yet. I mean, I, I'm told that I have. Yeah. That it's that's a thing that's just like my a robe that I wear everywhere I go. And I guess I, when I go into Seven Eleven and I ask if I can use the bathroom, and I'm wearing my khakis and my button-up shirt, and they say yes. And then I watch an African American family come in right behind me, and they want to use the bathroom for their daughter, and they say no. Have you seen it? That happened yet? Uh, two days ago in Virginia Beach. Fuck that. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. This is it. We just hit the. Uh, Almost the three-hour point. So I'm going to break this up into three podcasts. <laughs> I just gave you a lot of content. Because if, if I shorten it, um, if I put the whole thing up at the same time, then it um, has shitty quality. So, oh, okay. cool. All right. Namaste, motherfucker. Well, God damn it. I just recorded this great outro, and I fucking never pressed uh, pause. I never unpaused it. So I guess you could say technically I did not record it. But man, I was I was laying it down. Feeling it. And it's gone. I just threw it out into the ether and I didn't record it. So I guess the uh, bottom line is, you know, the world that we live in is made up of us the same way we are made up of electrons, protons, neutrons, and all that quantum shite. And how all of those things interact have to do with their charge and their spin. And it is important that you recognize that the world is made out of people like you. And you should make sure you're tuned up and you're... You know how you look at how you're spinning. Look at how you're charged. Positive, you negative. I mean, in this sense, you know, I'm not talking about the negative, like the antidote to positive, as in like a value judgment. Just two different kinds of electric electrical tendencies in the field, you know. But I am like, change is good. But lots of people have led revolutions who are, you know, they're not doing it because they are their heart's in the right place or because they are altruistic. They're doing it because they're sociopaths and they want to just wreck shit, you know. And there are also people who just want to see change because they're bitter or they're scared or they're losing. And, you know, that's generally the argument of the people on top, especially the kind of people that are on top right now, is that you're just whining because you lost. So don't be one of those fucking people. Fighting fire with fire is not a thing. It doesn't actually work. You have to provide an alternative, and we have to live a different way, and we have to demonstrate our ideals and how we handle this situation now. And, of course, I'm assuming everybody that's listening to this agrees with me and is, like, kind of on the left here. But if you don't, then, you know, I do care what you believe. And I don't think that you're wrong, per se. I think that your uh, beliefs, um, well... I think they're just a little selfish, you know, and I think the folk that tend to fall down on the side, on the left are a little more communal and we like kind of believe in the greater good. And we kind of like that idea. That's not better. Not, it's not like felt selfishness is necessarily evil or wrong. It's just as a motivator and as a way of 
of gaining consensus and as a way of running things, it's got a lot of flaws. You know, it just doesn't it doesn't create a space for everyone to uh, enjoy the promises of this country. So I'm kind of digressing here, but the bottom of what I'm trying to get to is like just before you go take into the streets, just take a look at yourself, you know, sit down, maybe shut your eyes, look inside and see what is motivating you. Is it fucking destructive anger? Is it bitterness that you would have no matter what was going on? And if it is, do something about that before you go out in the street, you know, try to try to look to that because there's a lot of shit. There's a lot of stuff out there that's just personal frustration and it doesn't have to do with anybody fucking anybody it's just how it feels to be alive and how it feels to be human and if that's what's motivating you ain't gonna make it with anyone anyhow as the Beatles once said but if you are motivated by something that is pure and that is strong and that is solid and sustainable yeah yeah you might be able to get somewhere you might be able to convert some people you might even be able to change the minds of the people that currently don't agree with you if you're coming from a place of love, you know, and not love like daisies in a barrel of a gun, but love like, hey, wait a minute. We are all the same fucking species. We, there's only one race, the human race. We are one. We are one thing. We're really good at saying we, too, when we put a motherfucker on the moon. You can say we did that. But we have a hard time saying we about just about anything else other than accomplishments. You got to say, we fail, we are flawed, we suffer, and we can make this right together. I believe it. Namaste, motherfucker.